Living in a family affected by rare or chronic disease can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is simply connecting to the voices of other people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and caregivers affected by rare and chronic disease. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. This episode of Cheat Codes, a sickle cell podcast, is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This episode of Cheat Codes was supported by Global Blood Therapeutics. What's up, Warriors? It's me, Dr. Z. And me, Dr. C. Dr. C, I, uh, it's, it's nice to see you again, man. I'm happy we're able to do this. Yeah, we've been slacking, man. We need to get some episodes in. Yeah, well, you know what happened is yesterday when I realized that as I was going through this list of sickle cell advocates and advocacy organizations in my head, you know, there's names that always come up and you're like, oh, yeah, this person, this person, this person. You know, I realized that we're almost 40 episodes in and there was one advocate that we had left off that list. So I reached out to her just to see if by chance her schedule lined up with our studio time. And thank God it did. We've got an advocate with us who really doesn't need an introduction to the sickle cell community. But what really the people I want to introduce her to are maybe the sickle cell docs and the physicians out there that don't know how fiercely this advocate is advocating. Um, so with us is Mapiller Don, founder and CEO of MTS, or My Three Sicklers. And I'm going to stop right there because I want to hear it directly from Mapiller. Welcome, 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 Mapiller. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on your show. Thank you. No, I mean, the privilege and, and honor is, is completely ours. I mean, I have watched you stand up and fight for this community in all sorts of venues and all sorts of meetings. And um, we appreciate you tremendously. You know, your fight is not unnoticed. Thank you. Thanks so much for saying that. Um, as you know, and this is the case with a lot of sickle cell advocates, it always seems like nobody cares um, or nobody seems to be understanding the plight, which is why we get into um, doing what we do. So hearing you say that, um, that means a lot. So let's take it all the way back. Let's throw this all the way back and let's talk a little bit about your journey. I mean, let's talk about, tell us a little bit about how sickle cell disease became front of mind for you, top of mind for you. What drove you into the advocacy space? Where does the passion come from? Sickle cell is something that really was not on my radar, even though I remember when I was in high school, um, I did a physical for basketball because I play a little basketball, soccer, you know. <laughs> and I remember I, I received a letter from the lab saying that I had the, the sickle cell trait. And that always stood out. But I think what also stood out for me it's the fact that there was no sense of urgency for a teenager who really not sci scientific at all. Even now I'm not. <laughs> and I make sure to tell people I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you, you know, our story. So, um, but fast forward, I became pregnant with my oldest daughter, Tuli. And even then it didn't quite register, right? 
the fact that I have sickle cell trait. What does that mean? And so when my daughter was born, I we got that that call, you know, through a newborn screening. And so, man, I was crushed because by then um, I knew of at least two people who had sickle cell disease and theirs was just really, really bad. So, you know, it's hard not to think this is what my child is going to go through. Yeah. Um, So that's how I got introduced to the world of sickle cell. And um, it just so happens that all three of my children ended up having sickle cell. And I think part of what is important to stress about my story is the fact that um, even in families where sickle cell exists, there's still a lot of miseducation or uh, misconceptions because I, I didn't know any immediate family members who had sickle cell, but my children's father of the five children that his mom and dad had, one had the disease. So there was this misconception and I still hear it to this day that sickle cell skips generation, right? That not all of your kids, right? Not all of the kids will have the disease. And um, so myth busted (laughs) because I had, I've had three, three pregnancies, three births and all three have the disease. I think that's kind of a hard concept for people because we'll go through genetics and we'll say, you know, if you're a carrier and your spouse is a carrier, then it's a one in four chance. That doesn't mean one in four of your kids. It could be three out of three or it could be none out of three or um, it's kind of like flipping a coin. It's 50-50 chance it's heads, but you could flip heads three times. And that is true. Wow. So, you know, I want to back up a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. You're the first person to talk, talk to us about that call, that call from newborn screening. Walk me through that. I mean, what did they say to you? It's hard to even remember other than yeah. getting the, your child has sickle cell. Yeah. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't even tell you uh, what was said other than understanding, you know, what was being said to me. And yeah. just, um, you know advising you to go and we're here in in Georgia so my children all of them they they started care at Hughes Holden which is one of the children's hospitals so just trying to understand that and navigate life this new life um, of having a child with a chronic illness and not quite knowing what to do wow now, you mentioned you knew a couple of people who had sickle cell at that point and were doing badly. So when you got that call, was that just devastating? It was devastating. You, and You knew um, right away this, this is not good news. I knew it wasn't good news. One of the people had passed from sickle cell and one of them is always in the hospital. And um, now as an advocate, when I meet people and they almost always oh, I knew someone that had sickle cell that died. And it's always so cringy to me because that's not something you want to tell someone who's um, in the struggle, right? But um, I could not help but think about, you know, the person that had died and the person who's always in the hospital. 
because it's just normal to just you know it's time yeah it's a, it's a hard call to get and as a pregnant woman it's, it's a stressful thing to go through because part of it too and um i'm not gonna go too deep into this um my children's father was very abusive and not one of those people you can tell you know what is and what isn't so i remember after having Tuli, our first daughter, I went to Google. Google was my friend. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to educate myself, but he was stuck on that. So as a pregnant woman, uh, Google, and after get, after hearing and getting that diagnosis, uh, diagnosis, Google was my friend. I tried to just learn as much as I can about sickle cell and how the disease is inherited. But when you have a partner who is, um, also very adamant on knowing how the disease works. That was a hard place to be in. So as a pregnant woman, knowing that there is a possibility, there's always uh, one in that there's always that 25% chance that you can have a child with the disease. It's a very stressful, uh, it's a very stressful situation to be in. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I can imagine it's, um, Wow. Google's your friend, right? So you, you spend a lot of time on Google, but Google is one of those friends that like, sometimes it builds you up and sometimes it tears you down um, and you never know what you're going to get, which is why people like you, advocacy organizations like yours are mm -hmm. important, right? So at yes. what point in your journey do you recognize that there's this need to not only get information out, but to stand up for other warriors, well, um, I, I always knew that because even before I started my organization, um, I'm originally from Liberia, that's West Africa. And it dawned on me that the worst thing you can do with sickle cell is not talk about it, is not educate the people, is not empower them with that education. Not to, you know, tell grown folks how to live their lives, but I feel like with education comes empowerment and families get to make informed decisions. And so even before I started the organization, I always used my platform to educate my friends and family. And I will use our lives to, to basically show people what sickle cell is. In terms of what drove me to start the organization, I think it was just seeing that there is such a need that exists for families. And I didn't see anyone having that conversation because, you know, just being in the trenches as we are, I have been fired from jobs because, a, you know, an employer was not sensitive to the fact that my kids are in the hospital and that's where I'm gonna be. It's, it's hard when you are the, the primary caregiver I'm a single mother, you know? I've been a single mother since 2010, trying to navigate this life with my three kids who are at some points would be, uh, I will have two kids in a hospital at one time. And just looking around for support that is sickle cell specific and not saying that. And just waiting for someone to do it. Because honestly, Dr. Z and Dr. C, 
I really should not be the one doing this. <laughs> yeah. My, my plate is full. Um, yeah. At any given time, I have kids in the hospital. Um, my daughter, Deej, uh, she had a stroke when she was seven. So she's had to have monthly blood transfusions. She's had about uh, 10 surgeries just within the last eight years. And, wow. you know, just trying to navigate life with three kids who the disease impacts completely different. Um, but looking for support, not seeing the support and just trying to position myself and my organization to be that place that families can come to when they need help with their rent, help with utilities, because these are very much symptoms of sickle cell disease. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. I, 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 I don't know. I've never heard I don't know anybody how you do say it. it like, I've never heard anybody say it like that, but you're a hundred percent right. Those are symptoms of sickle cell disease that we don't talk about. Yeah. It's not pretty. Uh, you gave me goosebumps, literally. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, not only is your plate full, you're literally taking things off of other people's plate and adding it to yours, right? There's few people like you, but we're thankful that there are people like you. How long has MTS been around? We are going on six years. We started uh, in 2015, very much grassroots. And I, and I tell people this, I would not wish my situation on anyone because it's tough. But at my very core is this sense of gratitude because I was born in a country that the, the healthcare system is non-existent. Ebola just shined a really bright spotlight on how bad of a healthcare system Liberia has. And that's where I was born. So I am grateful that my kids have access to care. And so I've always been very tunnel vision on making sure that they, that we take advantage of the wonderful healthcare system that we have. And to really, you know, kind of stand up to a disease that I feel like is trying to take my kids away. And, you know, standing, I'm this itty, itty bitty little woman standing in front of this giant saying, you're not going to take my kids and you can't have her kids either. And you can't have his kids either. <laughs> and just, you know, I want my kids to live life in spite of sickle cell disease. And that is what I bring to my organization because I want everyone who is impacted by MTS, even if it's internationally, because our reach is very much international. And so I choose to spotlight warriors who I see are doing wonderful things because even though we cannot offer those financial support to warriors, I think that impact too cannot be diminished. It's important for people to see that other people who are just like them, who are going through the same struggles as them, um, are able to pull through and, and live life in spite of this giant. Even by example. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we see this, right? We see, we see people in these types of situations who just become bigger than the situation. And it always, it's so inspiring and, um, I don't know. It's so motivating. So, so, so once again, I mean, just thank you for the work that you're doing for, 
families um, all over the globe. When we talk a little bit more about MTS and some of the efforts, let's talk about some of the things you're really proud of. I mean, along the way, I've seen you pile up some accolades, do some cool things, but I want to hear from you. I mean, what are, what are the things that you look back at in the last six years and you're like, wow, that was kind of cool. I'm glad I was able to do that. What stands out in your mind? That's a loaded question because I think one of the things that sometimes we fail to do, especially when you're in a space where it's like you're trying so hard to affect change, you don't take the time to celebrate those little wins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something I was really proud of is creating the very first Facebook frame uh, for sickle cell. That's awesome. And I remember uh, people thought, you know, the Facebook team had done it. And at the time, not that many people knew of, of MTS. So um, there, the few people who knew of me were the ones correcting others in the groups. They're like, oh, no, Michaela made it. She's for MTS and stuff like that. But I was really proud of that moment because this was a time, this was an opportunity to without doing much research, just seeing the frame, no, uh, it lets you know that you found your tribe, right? Um, I remember I got over 500 friend requests in 24 hours. Whoa. And so many people, yeah, so many people were experiencing the same thing. And I was reading the comments, people feeling like now I know, now I, I don't feel alone. I know that there are other people who have sickle cell disease, or I'm the only person in my family who has sickle cell disease and now I have friends um, who have sickle cell disease or who are impacted by the disease. That that was one of my proudest moments. But one other moment that has not happened, I am helping to make sure that newborn screening is a thing in Liberia. And I've always told people that, as you said, I've done a lot here for sickle cell awareness. Um, Even though I haven't been home since 97, my heart is very much still in Africa and the plight of the sickle cell community in Africa. Because, you know, I know for a fact there are people with sickle cell disease who don't even know that they have sickle cell because they don't have access to being screened. They're in remote parts of Africa where they don't even know what screening means. And so to be a part of that for me is the biggest, the single, the single most important thing for me personally, internally. Uh, because if I don't help, especially Liberia, uh, be a part of the sickle cell conversation, the global sickle cell conversation, then I've done nothing. So... I'm looking forward to seeing that to fruition. Um, I'm so happy that my partners at ASH connected me because ASH actually got this started and they're helping with staffing and um, I'm coming on board to see however we can help. And, and what's crazy is some of the things that's needed to get newborn screening started in some of these countries are things like gloves and needles and you know things for the labs. That's what's standing Uh, between kids being diagnosed and possibly changing the trajectory of their lives. Because we all know that one of the biggest reasons that 
um, kids in other parts of the world die before the age of five is because they're not caught early and administer care in time. So I'm very proud of that. It hasn't wow. happened, but I'm saying it's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm already proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. So you're working with Ash to try to set up screening in these countries and get kids on penicillin early. Yes. Um, um, part of that too, you know, once you screen that, you know, it creates um, a duty to act. And a lot of these countries, they don't have the funding for, you know, things like penicillin. So part of it too is going to be trying to see how we can fundraise here to try to bring some of the, the things that we take for granted on this end to parts of the world where it, it just means the world to them. So if some of our cheat codes listeners want to stand next to you against that big monster sickle cell, how can they help with that? Um, you can definitely find us on all social media platforms at my three sicklers, or you can go to our website and um, hit the contact us form and you will be connected with me. And I appreciate you coming on board to support in advance. <laughs> Cheat Codes is brought to you today by Global Blood Therapeutics. GBT is a biopharmaceutical company committed to discovering, developing, and delivering life-changing treatments that provide hope to underserved patient communities, including sickle cell disease. GBT is grounded by a mission-driven culture and built with a team of experienced and passionate people committed to making a difference in the communities it serves. Cheat Codes is grateful to GBT for supporting today's episode and for serving the sickle cell community. Now, I still think uh -huh. you're kind of underselling yourself here. So, Dr. C, I just want to put people on notice so that they know who we're talking to. 2016 Woman of Influence Award, 2017 Game Changer Award, 2018 Humanitarian of the Year by the Liberian Entertainment Awards, 2018 Sickle Cell Advocate Award, 2019 Woman of Honor Award, 2019 Community Activist Award by the Liberian Girls Rock Foundation, 2019 Community Activist Award in Atlanta, 2020 District 3 Superwoman Award by Commissioner Felicia Franklin Warner. I mean, you're doing it. You're out there and you're doing it. And um, the fact that you're doing it despite this big monster standing in your way is amazing. Thank you. I think if anything, um, it motivates me. And I'm also very motivated by my, my children and all warriors, actually. And I say this to my kids and people. I was, I'm inspired by them. I was inspired by them to start. But even when my kids are cured, I would still be fighting for sickle cell. Because, um, yeah, we don't have that many champions. We need as many people championing this cause because I mean it's time it's it's past time actually so yeah so MTS is doing a lot of things so you're working on trying to get screening up but you're 
sending kids to camp now you're sending packages out to warriors what what all activities do you have going on how's covid changed that well those are the things that you see um i'm more proud of the things that we don't publicize which is helping prevent homelessness within the warrior community we help families with um with rent and utilities and um just however we can be of support to families we try to do that when i first started mts one of the one of the first initiatives we did was uh work to send kids to camp because my kids have each other they 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 are so close and it's because i feel like sometimes they understand what even though the disease affects each of them differently they understand what um each other are going through but um not a lot of sickle cell patients have that so being a part of um a child establishing friendships that will last them for for lifetimes i hope um is something that i wanted to be a part of so we have been and we have partnered with children's healthcare of atlanta and camp twin lakes to be able to provide camp to uh, sickle cell patients for free. We, we host events for families where really we don't wanna talk about sickle cell. And, and actually that's part, of the, that's part of the change that we're bringing to the community or to the, the sickle cell space in terms of funding. Uh, because oftentimes when you're looking for funding for your events, they want you to have some kind of education piece. Well, we don't want to hear about sickle cell sometimes. <laughs> we just want to get together and just kind of forget about it for a few hours. And so um, that's been a challenge. Um, up until I'll say a year, two years ago, our efforts have really been grassroots. It's selling t-shirts on our website. It's doing whatever we can, friends, family, $20 here, $20 there. Actually, that's what has been paying people's rent, <laughs> right? Because we weren't getting the kind of funding that, you know, other uh, diseases get. But I have always been very persistent. And even before I started the organization, I understood that this is a underfunded uh, cause. And I never take anything personally. I just keep going and going. The only thing that I ask of anyone is to get out of my way because it's gonna get done. Um, you probably just won't come with me this time, but um, just the fight is in me to continue to do everything I can to, to help families who are impacted. Um, I am passionate about awareness, but there's a soft spot for supporting families because I've been there. Sometimes I still am there. You know, I'm the, I do for families what I'm hoping other people will do for me. I think in a nutshell, that's what it is. And what COVID has, COVID actually helped open the eyes of those people who have funding to give to the sickle cell community that is beyond education because it wasn't until COVID that we got funding just to help the community, which is what we've been asking for, um, to, get, to get funding to just go ahead, send gift cards to families across the country, go ahead, send masks to families, go ahead and send um, 
care packages to families. I think COVID helped make that possible. Physicians and patients with sickle cell disease, physicians and warriors, physicians and caregivers to warriors have a interesting relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of love. Sometimes there's disagreements. Sometimes we run into physicians who don't understand the plight of sickle cell patients. Sometimes patients don't recognize the limitations that sickle cell doctors may have on them. What can we do, in your opinion, to help bridge the gap between patients and physicians? How do we do better? How do we become, how do we help fight that big monster in front of you together? I think it all starts with respect. Everyone understanding and respecting the other's expertise because we're all experts in our own right. And sometimes I feel like where the divide happens is when we don't respect each other's expertise. And um, I think it's most egregious when it happens with between the doctor and the patient because it can cause a life. But I just feel, and for me, one of the things that I've always been very careful with is modeling the relationship that I have with the care team in such a way that my kids will not deviate from when they get older so that they themselves can know that, okay, this is what mommy used to do. Mommy was very respectful to our doctor they were respectful to her as well. Mommy listened to them. They listened to her, even in the way that I speak with them. And oftentimes I will bring the kids into the conversation because I always want them to understand what is happening with their bodies in terms that they can understand. And sometimes I'm not the best person to educate them. The experts are. So just I feel like communication and um, it starts with good communication between all parties and definitely respect because you can tell with the mistreatments that happen with sickle cell patients, I think a huge part of that is disrespect. It's disrespect. It's not not even caring about, I hate to say it, not caring about their lives, Um, not caring of their feelings Sickle cell, I remember, oh, one of the things I'm proud of is our billboards that's been all over Atlanta. And some of of the things that we had on there, sickle cell deserves more compassion. Compassion is missing. You know what I mean? And it's so weird because you expect that from doctors. You expect that to be a part of their their being. You know, it takes a certain kind of person to want to be a healer. So I don't know where the disconnect is when it comes to the sickle cell community, but I think it starts with respect and communication. Yeah, that's so important. And I think, you know, modeling it for your kids is so important as they've gotten older, how has the medical system or or you as a parent sort of prepared them to take that on themselves? I think because I've always been a communicator and I've always brought them in. I remember um, 
when my daughter Deej was having her brain surgery, she was asking the questions because again, I needed her to understand what was happening. So all, I needed her to get all of her questions out of the way so that, you know, if she's, if she understands what's happening, there's a certain kind of calm that comes with that. This is a little girl that will go into the OR with the boldest lipstick that you've ever seen. So happy, so just smiling. Everyone is hee hee ha ha into the, the OR. And, um, and it really helped me because that was my moment to just break down, right? And cry a little bit until, you know, get everything out of the way before she comes back. But that helped me in supporting her and her positivity. But I say that to me, um, it's already started. So now when we go to, the, to their appointments, oftentimes I take a backseat, especially with the two oldest. I have a 17-year-old, Tuli, and I have Deej, who is 16. Um, and they typically answer the questions, you know? And, you know, their doctor will ask them, do they have any questions for them? They don't ask me, mom, do you have any questions? They ask them. And um, they're now starting to advocate for themselves. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there is a new, um, there's an Oxbrider commercial. Tuli was one of the patients in that. Super and cool. uh, yes, I was, I was so proud to, you know, <laughs> I was so proud of her because, you know, I, I don't, make my kids do anything so she wanted to do it and just uh, being a part of that voice and allowing them to use her face her voice to um, talk about something that's important to her which is sickle cell and empowering patients to to get educated to learn more about their condition I think when we start empowering our kids from a younger age it does make them want to advocate for themselves more. That's so wow. important. And I, I think it's so hard for a lot of parents. You know, you, you have these special kids, you want to protect them. Mm -hmm. it, you get, it becomes such a part of who you are and what you do. And it's, it's, not, it's not a natural feeling to let them branch out and do it themselves. It's hard to watch sometimes. Uh, but it's yeah. so important. I mean, it's the best thing you can do for them is to let them advocate for themselves. Exactly. Because we don't want to further handicap them. I've always been, that's always in the back of my mind. And just my parenting style anyway, I am more of a, um, the role that I feel like I play in my kid's life is to try to get them to adulthood with as little trauma as possible. So everything that I do is grounded in that. Is this going to cause trauma? If it is, because sometimes we can't help. How can we cause as little trauma as possible? I mean, I very few times that I'm speechless, but um, you've rendered me speechless. I mean, I'm, I'm just proud that I can say I know people like you who are, who are doing this, who are fighting the beast and empowering their warriors um, with this global perspective, but just grounded in this mission-focused work to make lives better for all warriors. It's just, 
inspirational, truly. So I want to I wanna take some time once again to just thank you for, for all you do. Thank you for making time for us today in your busy, busy schedule. We, we appreciate you tremendously. Anybody out there listening, go find Mapillar Don. Go find my 3 Sicklers org, MTS, on all social media platforms. Support her, her daughters, and her mission. Mapiller, any last words for us on cheat codes? Um, you guys continue to be the amazing rock stars that you are. I do watch. <laughs> I know that was a question that you asked. <laughs> at the beginning, um, I was very, I, I love the episode with, with Ashley. Um, uh, Ashley is such a great advocate. I am inspired by her and Marcus and everything that they've done through Six Cells. Um, I just want to encourage warriors and caregivers who are listening to continue to share your stories and just advocate for the change that you want to see. Because unfortunately, change may have to start with us. I know we got a lot going on for patients. You have your condition that you're dealing with, but sometimes that change starts with us. And even when we think that people don't care, um, what I have come to find out is that people just don't know because for so long we have suffered in silence and that's understandable. We feel like nobody cares, but we have to start to change that. And it starts with us each of us engaging our local communities, sharing our stories. If you're impacted by the need for more diverse blood donors, then you have to go into your places of worship, go into your schools and share your story. Because I promise you, if your friends and family know that you need blood to lead as normal a life as possible, they will come out for you. You just have to give them the opportunity. You have to share your stories. So yeah, that's what I want to say because nobody can tell your story better than you can. Amazing, amazing warriors. There you have it. My pillar, thank you for your time today. Warriors, keep doing your thing. Keep living well with sickle cell. We'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.